0: Hey guys, Bridget here. Before we start this week's episode of Proof, I've got a favor to ask. We've posted a link to a survey in the show description, and we want to know what you think. It only takes a few minutes, and it really helps us to make the show better. Now, on to Proof. The week of March 9th, 2020, Exodus Bagels was well ahead of their sales projections. That week, it felt like spring. People were outside more and good weather is good for business. Adam Hirsch and Priscilla Andrade are the owners of Exodus Bagels. They're married, and they live right up the hill from the cafe with their two kids. And while they've been carefully watching the news of the unfolding coronavirus crisis, at that moment, their biggest cause for alarm was that they were fresh out of diapers for their baby Mira. On Monday, March 9th, The World Health Organization held a news conference about the outbreak.
1: Most countries still have sporadic cases. We must all take heart from that.
0: The director general sounded measured.
1: The bottom line is we're not at the mercy of the virus.
0: In early March, the coronavirus pandemic that was unfolding in China and spreading across Europe still felt like international news. It was happening far away. And then suddenly, it wasn't. Wednesday, March 11th, the WHO declares the coronavirus outbreak a global pandemic.
1: WHO has been assessing this outbreak around the clock and we're deeply concerned. We have therefore made the assessment that COVID-19 can be... Characterized
2: as a pandemic.
0: That same day, the NBA suspends the season after Utah jazz player Rudy Gobert tests positive.
2: The NBA is suspending the season. I say that.
0: And that same day, Adam Hirsch of Exodus Bagels processed three batches of dough for catering orders. Friday, March 13th, President Trump declares a national emergency. Good evening, and thank you so much for joining us. We're going to begin tonight with breaking news, the president declaring a national emergency.
3: To unleash the full power of the federal government in this effort today, I am officially declaring a national emergency. Two very big words.
0: Exodus put out a communication about their immediate response. It included mitigation efforts, hand-washing, ordering online, using cards instead of cash. Sunday, March 15th. Massachusetts Governor Charlie Baker announces a statewide shutdown of all bars and restaurants.
2: This order is effective Tuesday, March 17, 2020.
0: On Monday, March 16th, at 10 a.m., Priscilla sent an email to the Exodus staff. It said the cafe would be closed effective tomorrow. She said they were working on solutions and would try to find a way for staff to keep some of their hours. Less than 12 hours later, Reality sunk in further. She sent a second email to the team, informing them that Exodus would be closed indefinitely. They would need to file for unemployment. On Tuesday, March 17th, Exodus Bagels posted an image to their Instagram account. It was a black-and-white photo of the cafe storefront, with the roll gate pulled down. The caption read, To our valued customers, friends, and supporters— We thank you for your continued support during this extremely difficult time. We have made the decision to close Exodus Bagels indefinitely. From America's Test Kitchen, I'm Bridget Lancaster, and this is Proof. Thanks to this season's presenting sponsor, Kohler. They design innovative sinks and faucets for people who do their
4: best work in the kitchen. So one of the things that I've found really challenging during this crisis is how to make sense of all the numbers that we're constantly being inundated with. This is our executive producer, Caitlin Kelleher. I heard somebody describe it as like a never-ending ticker tape of gloomy numbers, and that really resonated for me. It's like the magnitude and the scale of the numbers is really hard to hold in your mind. And then when it comes to the restaurant industry specifically, the numbers there are huge and they're really bleak. I saw one industry survey that said
0: 8 million restaurant jobs have disappeared around the country and projected $80 in lost revenue just in March and April.
4: But the thing is, behind the numbers and the headlines are real people. I first met the owners of Exodus Bagels, Adam and Priscilla, through my friend Tammy. I'm a big fan of their bagels, and they're just really great people. So when I saw their post on Instagram announcing that they were closing, I reached out to them And I asked if they'd let me document their experience as restaurant owners through this pandemic. And they said yes. Adam and Priscilla's love story began on the same street where they'd eventually open Exodus Bagels. Midway Cafe is a local dive bar, just a few short blocks up Washington Street in Jamaica Plain. Like
1: all true love stories, we met in a dive bar. We met
5: (laughs) on October 18th.
4: 2008. (laughs) You paused. That's okay. (laughs) Priscilla was a senior in college at the time. A friend had invited her to what she describes as some kind of weird variety show. Adam was one of the organizers and performers. The group was called Variety. They mostly did musical parodies.
1: I was watching the show and then from the corner of my eye and i he hates this part of it, but I saw somebody and I was like, wow, that guy looks like Chuck Norris <laughs> because he had this really, you know, sort of reddish beard. And then we just got introduced.
4: That's not exactly how Adam remembers it. What's your version of your love story? She was
5: just so persistent. What's your I, version I, of I that? just had to give in at one point. Yeah. Something like that. Something, no. something like that.
4: On paper, the relationship didn't exactly scream long-term potential. Besides a 17-year age difference, they came from really different backgrounds. Priscilla grew up in a Puerto Rican family in New Hampshire. Her father was a deacon in the local Catholic church. Adam is from L.A., he's Jewish. When they met, he was in his late 30s, living the musician lifestyle and working food service jobs, sharing a house with other friends and bandmates.
5: Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I I just— it was one of those things where we really liked each other, but the differences were so apparent. But in my head, I saw that it was probably, it had like a time limit. But we just like couldn't stop hanging out with each other.
4: They found themselves drawn to each other.
1: And then I got pregnant. So meeting in a dive bar, unplanned pregnancy, sounds like a dream. <laughs> um, so we uh, then had Reuben. The rest of it is sort Do we of history.: have any Heavy items that we're not going to use. I, I can't answer that question right now, buddy. And now we have two children. Ruby's 10, and Mira is nearly 10 months.
4: Yeah.
1: So this is sort of what recording is going to be like. Yeah.
4: <laughs> Whatever it was that drew Adam and Priscilla to each other drew other people to them too. They have a sort of natural magnetism as a couple. It feels good to be in their orbit. After Priscilla moved into Adam's little blue house on Montebello Road, they started hosting backyard movie nights. And then the other part of that was our Soul Train parties.
2: All let's check out that Soul Train
4: line. The Soul Train Soul party Soul was, Train. without exaggeration, the biggest event of the year in their sleepy corner of Jamaica Plain. They projected old episodes of Soul Train onto a giant 16-foot projector screen. Tons of people would show up decked to the nines in funky 70s gears and dance the night away. One year, they built a DJ booth into a platform in a tree. Another year, they strung up a gigantic 32-inch disco ball over the yard. Towards the end of the night, Priscilla would crawl out her kitchen window onto the corrugated tin roof that covered the deck and throw confetti over the partygoers.
0: Adam and Priscilla loved creating experiences for people, and they were good at it. So it felt like a natural extension of their hosting talents to open a cafe right in their neighborhood.
4: It had actually been a longtime dream of Adam's to open an all-day breakfast spot. He pitched the idea to Priscilla, and she was into it. So they started taking stock of the Boston breakfast scene and decided on bagels.
1: I had no relationship to bagels before. You know, I was like probably most New Englanders where a bagel was a Dunkin' Donuts bagel. It was like pretty unremarkable circular bread. And so when Adam first made them at home, the first batch was
5: terrible.
0: But Adam kept at it. He made batch after batch of bagels, and they got better. And once the bagels themselves were solid, he started fleshing out the rest of the menu and started developing sandwiches to serve on top of them. They started selling their bagel sandwiches around the city at farmer's markets and pop-ups, and people loved them. Before they knew it, they had a loyal following— they started to build out a small team of bakers and cooks, many of whom were their friends.
4: Adam and Priscilla are sentimental people. They numbered each batch of bagels they baked. It felt like a way of quantifying how far they'd come. Every employee that joined Exodus was given a patch bearing their first batch number. Adam and Priscilla are batches one and two. Their friend Aggie, a dough maker, is batch 18. They were on their way, but they knew they needed help with the business side of things to really take Exodus to the next level. So they hired Drew Love. He's batch 282.
6: I mean, to give you an idea, like how I learned to do accounting was for a business that went bankrupt about a year after I started doing the accounting. (laughs) I I think there were other problems besides me, but.
4: (laughs) Yes, Drew Love is his real name. And self-deprecating jokes aside, he's actually pretty good at accounting. He joined the team to help Adam and Priscilla with day-to-day bookkeeping, but also to build a longer-term business plan.
1: A lot of people have approached us or like, oh, so you guys business majors, <laughs> you know, did you study did you go from Harvard Business School. And it was like, no, we are two teachers. <laughs> uh, we're two teacher artists, creatives who just really like our friends and like to have a fun time. So after having done that um, in our home for so long, we thought, well, we should do this, you know, and build something of our own.
0: Exodus opened their Jamaica Plain Cafe in February 2018 on a Sunday with a big grand opening event. They gave away free bagels from batch 350
4: and the line stretched around the block. The crowds didn't die down after the grand opening. On weekends, it wasn't unusual for people to wait in line for over an hour for an Exodus bagel sandwich, even in the winter. The cafe was clean and bright and the vibe was good. The employees were happy and friendly And the bagels were really, really good. But also, people showed up because they just liked Adam and Priscilla. Drew was working on his laptop at the cafe one day and started chatting with one of the customers.
3: And
6: she just kind of said, like, yeah, like, you know, these are really good bagels. These are the best bagels I've ever had. But Adam is such a mensch, he could sell Frisbees and I'd buy them.
0: (laughs) But the success brought new stress. Before they opened the cafe, they had also taken on a lease at a production kitchen space nearby. It was part of a larger plan to keep expanding Exodus.
5: You know, I was killing myself, honestly. Like, just, especially when the store opened, and I was, like, going, maybe sleeping a couple hours, but then right back at it. And it was, it was very, very challenging.
4: Running a bakery was grueling, and they were struggling to make it work financially, too. Some weeks, they were barely clearing payroll. As an Exodus customer myself, this feels tough to understand. Exodus was always busy. How do you do that volume of business without turning a profit?
1: That's also the challenge is the optics on the outside is, well, you're open seven days a week, you have 20 employees, you make all these bagels, you got these great sandwiches, your social media is cute, all this stuff, like you must be, you know, rolling, rolling. in it.
0: But the reality is they weren't rolling in it. And this is way before the COVID pandemic even began. The truth is, profit margins, even for the most successful restaurants, are razor thin. That's just the reality of the food business. There's a lot of overhead and limited opportunities to scale profits. All of this is to say, there's a big difference between being open for business and being a profitable business. That's part of the problem.
4: The other part of it, Drew Love explained to me, is that Adam and Priscilla's values as owners don't necessarily conform to traditional business norms. They always put people first.
6: I mean, I remember like we had this one guy who, uh, his name is Chick and he was he was on his way out. He like had a two week notice and it was like, no hard feelings, but he had another job. But I think before that he had asked for a raise and so Adam gave him a raise. He was on his way out <laughs> like, and Adam gave him a raise. And, and he looked at me and he said, because that's what people remember. You know, maybe people leave, but also people come back. And they come back based on how you treated them when they were there, but also how you treated them when they left. Also, Chick's still there.
4: The dream to open a bagel cafe was never about getting rich. They wanted to be profitable eventually, yes, but not ahead of their values. Just like their Soul Train parties, opening Exodus was about building something special, creating an experience, making something of value to their community.
1: I think part of it, too, is like one of the things that we
4: often the crossroads that we've
1: struggled with before is that we're not ruthless capitalists. So in a lot of ways, there are a lot of people who are successful business people who would look at us, look at our books, you know, look at our choices and say, you got this all wrong. Like you could save we could save hundreds of thousands of dollars if we just said, you know what we're going to do, we're going to buy a big old shaping machine. And then we only need to pay somebody to make dough, and then they put it in the machine, and the machine does the work. But we'd rather pay eight people to show up and be the bagel machine. We have this buy in to be part of our community. It's really important to employ our community, to show reciprocity in that way,
4: and that our educators. But like so much else in their relationship, their unconventional courtship, the unplanned pregnancy, their flamboyant parties, Adam and Priscilla had put all their chips in on Exodus they had poured their life savings into the business. It had to work. So together with Drew, they charted a path to profitability. Drew gave me a quick primer on cafe business models, and the gist of it is this. Many cafes function as something we'll call an all-in-one, meaning your customer seating and kitchen are all-in-one location. Initially, that has certain advantages. You're only paying rent on a single location, and there are fewer logistics involved. When the kitchen's done preparing the food, you just walk it out to the customer. But in the all-in-one model, as you expand, each new location has to also be an all-in-one because the kitchen is only big enough to service one location, so it's not easy to scale.
6: So we have, I think we could call like a hub and spoke model.
0: In a hub and spoke model, you have a central kitchen, your hub, and several cafes, the spokes. This is the model Exodus was trying to build. The production kitchen space they'd taken on was their hub. And the cafe in Jamaica Plain was the first of what they hoped would be multiple spokes.
6: Financially, it's a lot tighter because we're basically paying for a kitchen that could outfit three, maybe five cafes. It's a huge, huge space, which means it's a very expensive (laughs) space. So that's a big part of it is we're, we're at the beginning of a model that's not economically sound right now. But as you start to launch those other spokes... It becomes, especially in the long run, a more viable model, a smarter, more sustainable, more scalable model.
4: So if you can eke by and survive the early stages of building a hub-and-spoke business, it'll set you up for success in the long run. And that makes sense. But Exodus needed more spokes and fast. And that's how the idea of the bagel hole was born. They wanted to knock out parts of this brick wall at the kitchen space location and turn it into a walk-up window where people could order bagels on their way to the nearby train.
6: I was really confident that that window would actually make us profitable, that would be a new chapter for us. And, and once we were profitable, you know, I, I think it, it'd be a different world. You know, it'd still be hard, of course, but we would know that we could, at a minimum, tread water, <laughs> if not keep growing from there.
4: By the end of February 2020, Adam and Priscilla were closing in on potential financing for the bagel hole walk-up window. They were feeling good, optimistic even that they'd get the money they needed for the build-out. And then the world changed.
3: A new
2: Chinese coronavirus, a cousin of the SARS virus, has the international community on alert.
1: Chinese officials are now saying the virus can be spread through simple
3: contact. In Italy tonight, infections are spiking.
0: Out of growing concerns about the deadly coronavirus officially hitting the US, here's what we know.
2: There will be more cases. Uh, and possibly it, more deaths? It is
0: possible. On Sunday, March 15th, Massachusetts Governor Charlie Baker announced that all restaurants in the state had to transition to takeout or delivery service by the following Tuesday. That night, Priscilla and Adams spent over an hour on the phone with Drew,
4: racking their brains and going in circles. The moral dilemma they faced felt untenable. On the one hand, they felt a huge responsibility to their staff to keep them employed and protect their livelihoods. On the other hand, they knew that any version of takeout or delivery service would involve some level of health risk. Their team would have to leave their homes, in many cases take public transportation, to get to the kitchen to work their shifts. And because of the nature of bagel making, it would be unrealistic to maintain six feet of space between them at all times. And if they delivered orders to customers, they'd be in contact with the public the very thing that everyone was being asked to avoid. They felt painfully, acutely aware of the reality that all food service workers already knew before this crisis, that in their industry, there is no safety net. There's no version of remote work of dialing into a Zoom conference call. You either physically show up to work and get paid, or you don't.
0: And then there were the numbers. The facts were cruel and inflexible. They needed seven full days of revenue from in house cafe service just to pay their bills. And even in the most optimistic versions of a takeout delivery model, they could only expect to make around 40 to 60% of their normal revenue. In short, they couldn't make enough money to pay their bills and other commitments. So who wouldn't they pay?
4: Their staff? Their landlords? Their investors? In every scenario, they kept coming up against the same impossible choice. They could ask everyone to risk their health so they could try to stay in business. Or they could close and lay off their team.
1: I could not, weighing that against, like if I found out that somebody from our team or from their network of friends and families or from our customer base was sick and hospitalized, there's no sustainable business plan that makes me comfortable with that
4: the morning of march 16th priscilla sent out an email to the exodus team informing them that the cafe would be closed starting tuesday she said they'd be in touch about ways they might be able to keep some of their hours less than 12 hours later she drafted a new email this time with shaky fingers she said our biggest fear is coming to fruition which is to let our team down Priscilla added links to apply for unemployment, reread through it one last time, and hit send. She closed her computer and cried. On March 18th, Adam baked off the last batch of Exodus bagels, batch 1058, alone at the kitchen space. He spent the rest of the week cleaning out the walk in refrigerator, making care packages of the unused food to deliver to the team and his neighbors and closing up shop, it was hard. After years of dreaming and pushing and building and waking up at 2 a.m. to bake off the next batch and then getting up the next day to do it all over again, the abruptness of the end, when it came, felt dizzying.
5: And anyone who does this kind of work, baking in particular where it's like so early and you have to, it's it's a way of life, really. It's like a, it's not just like I show up at nine, whatever the job is. It's like, no, you're opening this building. And if you don't get there, there is no business. It, it takes ritual, you know, it takes like, it's like religion. It like, you, you gotta do it. Like, and I've been showing up for years, you know, like pushing this rock up the hill, like just go, go, gotta get it, gotta, gotta do it, gotta do it. And so to abruptly stop and like, not do it feels, like, s- so counterintuitive, you know, and it feels, like I said before, it just feels like failure.
0: After the break, Exodus Bagels tries to navigate their new reality, apply for federal aid, and seek answers about their uncertain future. If there's one thing Kohler knows, it's innovative sync design. So that got me wondering, do my colleagues at America's Test Kitchen know how to fill in the blank? Hello. <laughs> hey, Chad, it's Bridget. Hey, I need you to finish the sentence for me, OK? OK. Everything but the... Everything but the...
2: Oh, man. Hmm.
0: I don't know. Butter?
2: Bread? Oh, kitchen. Kitchen sink. Everything but the kitchen sink.
0: For everything including the kitchen sink, there's color. Take Kohler's Artifacts Touchless Kitchen Faucet, for example. It has a precision sensor built right into the spout, so a simple wave of your hand turns the faucet on and off in 20 milliseconds. Speed through kitchen tasks and enjoy a cleaner and more hygienic kitchen. Learn more about the Artifacts Touchless Kitchen Faucet at Kohler.com.
2: Hey, Proof listeners, it's Jack Bishop, the tasting expert at America's Test Kitchen, and I'm here to talk to you about Miyoko's new Pepper Jack vegan cheese. When I'm reviewing ingredients, I want to know it's in a product, and I want to know how it's made, especially if I'm using it to cook for my family. And you shouldn't need a PhD in food science in order to understand the ingredient list. But Miyoko's is very transparent about their cheese. They start by making a plant milk with oats and legumes, and then they add cultures and ferment it, just like traditional dairy cheese making. Then they finish it off with organic chilies for that quintessential pepper jack bite. So what you end up with is a complex cheese flavor and a classic melty texture without any of the dairy. And you can read the label. Miyoko's Pepper Jack Cheese is good for the planet and good for you. Learn more at miyokos.com. That's M-I-Y-O-K-O-S.com.
0: For 30 years, OXO has been making better kitchen tools to make everyday kitchen tasks better. And if there's any kitchen task that has some room for improvement, it's mixing dough. Any home baker knows that mixing dough is always a sticky mess. So when senior product manager Banat Fake was designing OXO's brand new dough whisk, she had her work cut out for her.
1: Usually, for me, my mom used to do it with her hands. As I do it with my hands, and then you realize you have so much dough on your fingers and you're like wiping it off and it's so hard to clean.
0: But not found that precise spacing between the coils in a dough whisk made all the difference in dough cleanup. Usually, when you incorporate the dough, you could just hit this on the side, and all the dough will fall off. Sometimes the simplest solutions are the most satisfying. For stick-free mixing, learn more about the all-new Oxo Good Grips dough whisk at oxo.com. That's oxo.com. Before the break, Adam and Priscilla had just made the heartbreaking decision to close their bagel cafe as the COVID-19 crisis intensified.
4: In the weeks that followed the closure, time took on a strange, unreal quality. Without the daily ritual of getting up and opening the cafe, their days felt aimless. They were still busy. There was family stuff, taking care of their infant Mira and homeschooling their son Ruben. They checked in almost daily with their staff, who were also struggling in their own ways. Adam read me a text he got from one of his bakers.
5: Man, like, I know that this is harder for you than anyone else because you built that company, but losing exes for me just feels like I was ripped from a family. I remember not being trusting of you at all when I started because, like, it seemed too good to be true to have a boss that immediately treats you with respect, to even do the same work that you delegate to your employees. It at least took me a week to realize you were the owner. Beyond that, you've taught me so much inside of work and out, mainly that, like, when goes wrong, you can't just stand there and be disappointed about it. Before working at Exodus, anything that went wrong, I'd about. But after working with you, I realized that's not going to get me anywhere.
4: They didn't have much runway. Without any new revenue coming in, they knew their money would run out fast. Well-meaning friends and family reached out with leads on different fundraising campaigns cropping up online for independent restaurants. People wanted to start a Kickstarter. The baker who sent that text to Adam told Drew he was ready to, quote, throw down right now.
0: Drew understood that sentiment, but he also knew the numbers. He got on the phone with Adam and Priscilla to walk them through the sobering reality of their current financial situation.
3: I had a few other things I wanted to at least put on your radar. Maybe we don't Attend to them now, but I just kind of wanted to make sure you're aware of it. you right if I go through some of those items. We absolutely. Okay. Um, the first one you was know, just sort of our, our cash situation. Uh, you know, we have about like about 12,000 in the bank right now plus whatever cash on hand. I think we took from the cafe and put, uh, at McCraw. Is that right? I have it on hand here. Yeah, have it hate here? Okay. Yeah,
4: three grand. Exodus only had a little over 15 grand left in cash. After their final round of payroll cleared, it would bring them down to something close to zero. Drew shared one of his spreadsheets, detailing all of their open bills, which included everything. The ones that were not yet due, the ones that were currently due, the ones that were overdue. Given how bad the news was, you'd expect Adam to be pretty somber.
3: That's a bunch of doo-doo. Yeah, it's it's a bunch of doo-doo. So that total, once again, this includes stuff that we might be able to hold off on payments. It might include things. cans we can kick down the road, but that total is about $49,000 right now.
4: Adam and Priscilla made the decision to stop payment on their rent checks for both locations for the month of April. They knew their landlords wouldn't be happy about it. But if they had to bleed their accounts, they'd rather do it paying their staff with the final round of payroll.
0: Meanwhile, the news began reporting on a federal aid package that was working its way through Congress, one that might throw a lifeline to small businesses like theirs.
6: Senate tonight plans to vote on a $2 trillion Main Street rescue package. This is meant to keep the American economy
3: on life support during this COVID-19 pandemic.
4: Russell so we're so pleased today to be able to have passed on the floor, practically unanimously, uh, the, uh, this important bill cares. To every
6: small business that is asked to shut down and everyone who works for a small business, now the resources are there for you. We will get through this together.
0: Ten days after Exodus closed on March 27th, the CARES Act was signed into law. The bill provided a historic $2 trillion
4: relief package. Drew had been laid off with the rest of the Exodus team. He was collecting unemployment. But he spent hours at his kitchen table, poring over the bill and parsing through which parts of it could help them. He called Adam and Priscilla to talk through their options.
3: So how you doing? Uh been better, true, been
4: better. True. <laughs> with the pleasantries out of the way, they rolled up their sleeves and dug into the relief options. There were two federal government aid programs, the first of which is the EIDL, or Economic Injury Disaster Loan. And bear with us here, this is the first of many acronyms you need to know. The EIDL
0: program has been around for a while. It's managed by the Small Business Administration, or the SBA the EIDL was created to offer loans to businesses that have suffered losses from some kind of disaster. The loans would have to be paid back eventually, but interest rates were low. So that gave businesses a little wiggle room to get back on their feet.
4: So back to March 27, 2020, the CARES Act passes and commits more money to the EIDL program. It also relaxes some of the pre-COVID requirements and streamlines the application process. One really important change was an added provision that essentially offered small grants of up to $10,000 that didn't have to be paid back. Which sounds great. But almost immediately, the tedious and confusing reality of the paperwork set in.
5: Gross revenues for this is where I had to stop. <laughs> for the 12 <laughs> okay. months
3: prior, prior to the date of the disaster. So 3-18-19 so to 3-18-20. Uh, well, I think so, but in here the date it says January thirty first, twenty twenty. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe they mean. I think they just really want. Oh, maybe they yeah. want January to January. To January to January. Well, if it's twelve month period, it really it should be February twenty nineteen through January thirty first, twenty twenty. Right. Okay. There you go.
4: The second aid program created by the CARES Act is called the PPP or the Paycheck Protection Program. This is the easiest acronym to remember. In part because you've definitely heard about it in the news. The PPP was riddled with problems from the outset.
0: The program offers loans to cover eight weeks of payroll, plus some additional expenses like rent and utilities. And if you use the money correctly, the loans are forgiven. The idea is for a business to use the money to keep staff on the payroll and hire back workers that they had to lay off because of the pandemic. Once you receive the money, the clock starts ticking. So, you have to immediately
4: spend it on eight weeks of payroll. Just like the EIDL loans, PPP loans are backed by the SBA. Again, that's the Small Business Administration. But unlike the EIDL, which you can apply to directly, PPP loans require that you apply through a private bank. And that's where things can get really complicated for a small business like Exodus Bagels. There are two main problems with the PPP. The government didn't provide
0: enough guidance to the banks until hours before the program went live. So when the floodgates opened on April 3rd, many banks weren't prepared to accept applications.
4: And the second problem is one of access. Because initially, in order to participate in the PPP, a bank had to be an already approved SBA lender. And even though the loans were backed by taxpayer dollars, these banks had discretion on who they loaned the money to. And as you might assume, they prioritize their own customers first. In most cases, if you didn't have a business account or a line of credit with one of the approved banks before the crisis, they wouldn't even accept your application. If you could guess, Exodus banked at a small local savings bank, so it was complicated to even figure out how to apply. And while Adam and Priscilla tried to figure out how to even get in line for PPP money, all those other businesses were first in line, those who bank with SBA-approved banks. Besides, without a clear reopening date in the state of Massachusetts, Adam and Priscilla weren't exactly sure how helpful eight weeks of payroll expenses would be, but they applied anyways. In addition to the EIDL and the PPP,
0: there were also private relief grants through big companies like Verizon, as well as local relief funds throughout the city of Boston. Adam and Priscilla applied to everything they could. Then they waited.
4: When I called Adam and Priscilla to check in on April 15th, they still hadn't received any money from the EIDL application they'd submitted weeks earlier, even though the SBA had orders to distribute the funds within three days of receiving a qualified application. Reps for the SBA have stated that the volume of applications was just too overwhelming to keep up with the promised three-day timeframe. When Adam called to check on the EIDL application, he was placed on hold,
0: And he was told that he was caller number 1,456. When he finally got through to someone, they told him that the program was about three weeks behind schedule.
4: I asked him about the PPP loan. They had been trying through a financial services company called Cabbage to get paired with a bank that would accept their loan application. After weeks of trying, it seemed like they'd finally been paired with a lender.
5: In fact, we got a note today saying, we found a bank, you know, like, so... And, you know, we'll be, you know, check updates on Cabbage. And, like, every time I log into Cabbage, it's, oh, we need another question answered or we need another document. And it's just a different way of wording, like, you know, a document that supports your monthly average payroll, which we gave them our monthly <laughs> payroll 940s. Like, Drew's like, I don't know really what they want. Like,
4: but I the very next problem. day, on April 16th, Less than two weeks after it opened for applications on April 3rd, the PPP ran out of money. Even with $349 billion, an amount of money that's hard to fathom, there just simply wasn't enough for everyone that applied. According to the SBA, the money had been allocated to just over 1.6 million loans. There are over 30 million small businesses in this country. Another astonishing stat here from the SBA saying that it has now processed 14 years worth of loans in under 14 days, which is really something. An emergency program to help small businesses keep their employees on the payroll has run out of money less than two weeks after it launched. The day I talked to them, they had just gotten word that they didn't receive that private emergency relief grant sponsored by Verizon that they'd applied to. The program had about 250 grants to give out and they received over 55,000 applications. They'd also applied for funds through the city of Boston. They'd made it through the first phase of that process, and we're waiting to hear what's next. But even if the money does come through from one or more of these sources, much of it is already spent. Even though the cafe and the kitchen space have been sitting empty, lights off, fridges powered down for over a month at this point, they still owe people money. That $10,000 grant from the EIDL It would only cover rent they already owe on both locations for the month of April.
0: And the loan from the PPP, the one that has to be spent on eight weeks of payroll costs, how would that even work? With the city of Boston still under lockdown orders, there was no way they could hire their staff back and immediately resume normal operations. The one-size-fits-all approach of the PPP might make sense for some small businesses,
4: but it doesn't work for restaurants. And the rest of the loan money? It feels risky to accept it. As favorable as the terms may be, how do you borrow money against a reality you could never have imagined?
1: I think that that's part of the conversation that also feels, it starts to feel a little invisible when you're working on you know, an application that's like, hey, yeah, what were your you know, year of sales between April 2019 and April 2020? And it's like, I can tell you that information, but that last 12 months, is
4: already not the next 12 months, right? It's already, we know it's not gonna be that. The thing that's bigger than all of the opaque and slow-moving and mind-numbing bureaucracy, as tedious and crazy-making as it all is, is this. That for Adam and Priscilla, and for all of us really, the world cleaved into two parts when this crisis began. There's the world we lived in before the virus, and the world we'll eventually emerge into at some unknown point in the future. They have no idea how to project bagel sales in a world where customers and employees must stand six feet apart. Where nearly one in every five people has been unemployed for months. Where people have less disposable income and more fear of leaving their homes. On April
0: 24th, President Trump signed another $484 billion coronavirus relief bill into law. It included $320 billion to replenish the PPP. $60 billion of that money is to be set aside for smaller community lenders. An additional $60 billion will go toward funding the EIDL. All of that money is expected to run out again.
4: Exodus did eventually get their $10,000 EIDL grant, which they immediately put towards their many outstanding bills. And they were offered a PPP loan. But after careful consideration and more heartbreaking number crunching, they decided not to take it. The only thing they know for sure is that they're deeply in debt, and taking on more of it right now felt like a risk they literally can't afford. And as the days tick
0: by, those debts—their rent, utilities, their vendors, existing loans, their company truck—all of it continues to accumulate.
4: Drew is still on unemployment but he continues to search for new sources of private funding for Exodus and check on the various relief applications. When I ask him why he's still so invested, he seems confused by the question.
6: They have a sense of gravity. That gravity is not what pulls people in for a moment or for, you know, one night at Soul Train. Like, they have this gravity that, like, people want to stay in their orbit. I could give you a lot of Reasons about why that is, but like it all just boils down to the fact that they're just.
3: <laughs>
6: I mean, it's so simple. They're just good to people. They're just really. They're just really, really good to people. I want Exodus to succeed because it would be cool for me to continue to have a job there. (laughs) But honestly, like more than anything, I want Exodus to succeed because like I want people like Adam and Priscilla to be in charge of stuff. Like (laughs) there's no way that the people who have worked there now, like they're not going to be the end of the line in terms of folks who have come in there and who've been changed by their experience. But You can ruin people if you put them in the wrong environment, but you can also make them better. In that environment, it certainly made me better.
4: But Adam and Priscilla wouldn't have started down this path in the first place, or made it as far as they did, if they were cynical people. For Priscilla's part, she seems to take comfort in the fact that Exodus started as an idea— A batch of poorly executed and truly unremarkable circular bread that her husband made in their home kitchen. So she knows that if they had to, they could start all over again from nothing. I used to say this
1: again pre-crisis that, like, if it all ended one day, I would still be extraordinarily grateful. I never and very proud. I never envisioned that this would be like I wasn't a kid like I can't wait to own a bagel shop one day. You know, Um, I'm very lucky that it you know came together and. Um, We were able to build it from an idea. So there's a lot of comfort in knowing that we could do that again.
4: And for Adam, in many ways, this is just the latest crazy challenge that they've faced together as a family.
5: And that's how it's been our whole relationship, really, has been, what's What's next?
6: next?
5: (laughs) You know, like, what's the next, you know, shoe to drop and we'll handle it. Like, that first thing, like, handling, bringing a baby into the world and really not 100% knowing the person you're doing this with is really frightening, no matter how old you are. And and I think that we just day by day built faith in each other that is, it's contagious, you know, sorry to use that word right now, but it's like that people are like, well, yeah, like, you, you know, you can do things the way you want to do them, or you can make a mistake you know, into this great glory, you know.
4: And so, Adam and Priscilla are approaching this latest crossroads in the Exodus bagel story in the same way they've approached everything up to this point. With humility and humor and grace. Just like they always have. They'll take it one batch at a time.
0: Thanks to our executive producer, Caitlin Kelleher, for bringing us this story. If you'd like to donate money to Exodus Bagels and other independent restaurants that are struggling to survive the COVID-19 crisis, we've put a link in the show notes. And if you want to see pictures of Adam, Priscilla, Drew, and the Exodus crew in its heyday, we put those photos up on our website for you. That's www.americastestkitchen.com slash proof. Go check them out. And if you like proof, then be sure to subscribe wherever you listen so you'll get new episodes as soon as they drop. And while you're there, why not leave us a rating or write us a review? It really helps other people find the show. Proof is hosted and produced by me, Bridget Lancaster. Our executive producer is Caitlin Kelleher. Sarah Joyner is our managing producer. Associate producer, Caroline Rickard. Scoring, sound design, and mixing by Matt Boynton of Ultraviolet Audio. Brian Campbell of Signal Sounds Composed, our theme music. Additional music by Kyle Forrester and Jordan Pearson post-production supervisor is Hen Margolis. Our production manager is Diane Knox. Fact-checking and additional research by Kaya Williams. Jack Bishop is chief creative officer of America's Test Kitchen. David Nussbaum is our CEO. Thanks again to our sponsors Kohler OXO, Miyoko's Creamery, and NakedWines.com. Proof is a production of America's Test Kitchen.